Thank you for letting me share with you today because this part of the series is really the application part. You're going to leave this place with hopefully a change in your life. And so as we go into this, this series on change, it's really possible. Uh, we've been using this door as kind of the, the, the piece that sort of says what it is. It's hard sometimes to go through this door to the unknown, but the idea of walking through the door, going into that next step, is sometimes where people struggle. It's the struggle to go to that next step. I got a text message from one of my friends, and without being really um, descriptive in case they are listening to this later, basically it said, my, my life is just a wreck right now. My job situation, I'm about to be fired. My home situation, I'm about to be evicted, and I can't go back to my parents' house because I got in a fight with my mom's boyfriend, and so it's just it's all a mess. And this text message, by the end of it, I was thinking, okay, what profound thing can I say back to this person that's going to help them through all of this mess that's going on and in less than 140 characters? How can I do this for this person? And, you know, reality is I called them up and we talked for a while. It's It's just one of those things where... He's saying, I need a dramatic change in my life. And we get to these points. We get to these points where we say, what I have been doing has not been working, and I need a change. I need a change in a big way. But that desire for change, that good intention for a change, um, I call it like an alarm clock. We, we think of it like an alarm clock sort of change. At, right when we're going to bed, we're about to set our alarm clock and we say, I'm going to set my alarm clock for an hour early tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be a new day. I'm feeling pretty good. I just need a little bit of rest. And tomorrow, when I get up that hour early, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to do a jog. I'm going to get some exercise, get the blood flowing. It's going to be a great start to my day. Just get my blood going. And then when I get back from that jog, I'm going to get my coffee and my Bible, and I'm going to spend 30 minutes just in the Word, me and some God time. It's going to be incredible. And after that, that 30 minutes of God time, I'm going to make that phone call. That phone call I've been putting off for a long time. I need to take care of this. Tomorrow, I'm going to take care of that. This whole day is going to be better. And then when we've hit the snooze alarm like three or four, maybe seven times, and we drag ourselves over to the coffee machine and we get our coffee and we're on the couch going, you know, today needs to be a me day. I need a me day where I just kind of regroup myself. And tomorrow, tomorrow is when I'm going to really get all that other stuff taken care of. We have these good intentions, and then we have failure, and then we feel this guilt inside. And then good intentions, failure, guilt. It's this cycle that goes over and over And when we read verses, like Paul says in Romans, I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very things I hate. We read verses like that, and we're like, yes, that's yes, that's exactly what I was feeling, because I know, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not doing the very things I know. In fact, I'm doing the opposite of those things. But having said that, The same author writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He writes, even though we fail, even though we go through this cycle over and over again, that doesn't mean we stop trying to change. We need to address change. We know that we need this change in our life. Don't stop trying. Put in action 
the actual changes, leave this place and say those changes will be happening. Sometimes we look at the outside world, everything that hits us constantly, we're hit and bombarded with things. And we think of it like the birds in the air. There's These birds are just amazing and majestic, but I can't control what these birds are doing. But we can control whether or not that bird lands on our head and starts building a nest in our hair. Like if you have a bird building a nest in your hair, you're the most calm person I've ever met. And I'm impressed. I'd actually like to watch that. But we can totally stop that from happening. So when we start thinking about the outside world and all of the things that hit us and bombard us, yeah, there's a lot we can't control, but we can control our mind. We can control who's in control of our life. That's why the title of this message is today, Who Controls Your Mind? You can't control all these things happening to you, but you can control who is in control of your mind. You can give God full control and continue to follow him. Here's the point. You want change. We need change, and we're going to get change. Uh, but you have to give God complete control of your mind. That's when you begin moving from this pathway of destruction to a pathway of freedom. Ideally, what I wanted to do today, uh, when the hoppies do the whole walk-through prayer thing that we have here, it's awesome. And you walk through station. And, and I thought about setting the room up as stations and having people walk through them. And I thought, you know what? That might be too dramatic for this crowd. It might just be a little too much. But we can still walk through these stations in our mind. And so on your notes, you'll see five stations. And we're going to pretend that we're walking to them. So this first pillar over here is going to represent station one. So we all pretended to walk over, but we really are doing what is at station one. So in your notes there, station one is give or gain control of your mind. We have to start right here. We have been given a unique fingerprint. In fact, seven billion people in the world. We're almost to seven billion, all with unique fingerprints. So seven billion times ten. I am blown away by that number. I can't even think what that number actually is, but it's a lot. And they're all unique. And then I was reading about this subject, and it was a unique palm print is on every single person. And that every single person in this world has a unique heartbeat. And I thought, a heartbeat? I didn't know that. And so you have a unique way in which your heart is beating inside of you. And you have a unique voice print. That's why alarms nowadays can be based on your voice. Seven billion different voices. And you start to look around and realize there's the uniqueness in this room is beyond imagination. And we all have unique temptations. And this is what kind of grabs me because we hear sermons a lot that deal with certain temptations. And some of those temptations you may think and you're like, man, the church is really all about that one temptation. They keep talking. I don't even struggle with that. That's because we have unique temptations. And other people, they're all, man, I always go there and they're convicting me on my one area. So you're sort of, you have the whole gamut going on there. But if you start to understand that you have a unique temptation, something that is out there that you really are struggling with, but others may not, it starts to change the way that you look around. We see so many ads in a day. In fact, the number, what, how many ads do you think we see in one day? Those are great guesses, but I'm going to give you the answer. <laughs> it's, it's actually 1,200. And when I first heard this, I go, eh, this author is being a little dramatic. It's 1,200. Come on. So I took out my Samsung note, and I went on Google, 
And I started looking, I had to move the ads out of the way, and I started really trying to find the answer. And so I was putting on my Ralph Lauren shirt and my Adidas shoes and my Levi pants, and I started to think, you know, I bought this stuff already, and there's ads all over my own house. It's strange. And then I was driving, thinking about this subject, and realizing every corner I go to has hundreds of ads. They're like on the sidewalk, in the post of a fence, in some random guy's yard, on and on, and there were ads everywhere. When I stopped and I looked, I was just blown away. And then there's radio and TV and the internet. There really is, as I really started to look, about 1,200 ads hitting me every single day. I've just become a little bit numb to it. And somewhere in those ads, there's a unique ad that's going to strike me more than the others. I was thinking about Eve in the garden, and I thought she had one really big ad, and I assume it's big. I know it's a tree or some kind, or maybe a large bush. I don't know. But there's one ad going on in this garden, somewhere in the garden. And so she built a wall around it so she wouldn't see it every day. She was really bothered by it. And then she put mines around that wall so that she went near it. Uh, she'd literally blow up. And then she put a roof over the top and sucked out the air so she wouldn't smell that ad. No, we know that's not how the scripture reads. Instead, the scripture reads, and we don't know how long it was. Maybe it was years. Maybe it's outside of time. But someday, one of the days, the ad caught her just enough and brought her over in just enough to where it finally captured her in a way that changed her life forever. And I thought about that and realized that was one ad, and it was her unique temptation that happened to be there. We are hit with 1,200 ads every single day trying to hit us in our unique temptation. And my guess is that our enemy has been watching us for 20, 30, 40 years, and that enemy knows exactly what our unique temptation is, but we've never stopped and said, what is it that really draws me in? Because if my enemy knows it, you know it's being thrown at you. But have we stopped and said, what is it that draws me so that I can counteract that? At station one, I want you to go through those five questions. When, when am I most tempted? Is there a day of the week or a time in which I'm struggling? I always seem to be hit at this particular time. It always seems to be on this day of the week. Why is that? What is it about that moment that's drawing me in? Where am I most tempted? Is it more at work? Something just my, with my boss, it flares up and my, or my pride, or it's one of those other areas of temptation hits me hard. Is it in the kitchen? Something I'm struggling with, a, a gluttonous sort of thing. Neighbor's house, gas station, sports bar, meetings with the boss in front of the computer. What is it? Where, I mean, where is it that I become most tempted? Who is with me when I'm tempted? Some of you, when you're alone, that's when you really start getting tempted with something. Others of you, you love your alone time. It's not there at all. Buddies, uh, when you're with your buddies, you're struggling. With your, with your wife or your kids or your boss, your coworker, strangers, you act a different way with strangers, with family, etc. Who am I with when that unique temptation hits me? What temporary benefits am I getting? This one, we, we have to admit there's a pleasure coming from it. You don't see the Bible say that there's no pleasure in it. In fact, it says there's pleasure in a sin for a short time. Don't pretend and willpower over, like, I don't enjoy this. 
Oh, there's probably something you're getting from it. There's some sort of enjoyment. So don't try and willpower your way through it. Instead, understand what is it that I feel in that moment? What is it that's happening? Because if I will really take it in and be honest with it, maybe I can find other ways to fulfill that same enjoyment, something that doesn't have a temporary and long-term damage to it. And how do I feel right before this happens? Am I frustrated in that moment? And I always seem to to be tempted when I'm frustrated or lonely or unloved, depressed, worn out, weary, bored. What's, what, what's going on right before every single time? Maybe you can counter how you, how you feel before and you can cause something to happen before that to not go into that state of being. The point here is that we want to leave this place with actual change. So I really want you to walk through this station. It's why I jumped into the middle of worship and said, I want, I want there to be worship at the end. I want you to finish after because I want time that you will write these down and you'll leave knowing your unique temptation. I need you to actually respond and do this. And you may not be able to do it while I'm talking. So you're going to have a song coming up in which you're going to take some time and fill this out and know where your unique temptation is drawing you in. The second, let's say it's this pillar. We're going to all walk over to this pillar here, and we're going to gain control of our heart. Proverbs 4.23 tells us that above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Well, if our heart affects everything that we do, we need to go deep into our heart and figure this out. We need to take an x-ray of our heart. Because there's a lot of things that we can sort of say we have good intentions to do. We have desires to do. We might have the willpower and the strength to overcome it. But if we don't go deep and actually change inside the heart, what it is, why are we drawn to this thing? If we don't go deep into it, that's when we're going to only do it for a short time. It has to be more than just a behavioral change or willpower, emotions, I, I leave this place and I feel pumped up and ready. I can do this change. And maybe for a week you do. But if you don't go deeper and say, why is it? What's going on deep inside of me that's actually drawing me in in the first place? If you don't go there, it will be a temporary change. So what we've done at Station 2 is we've created this assessment. Because I like to think of your walk with God as, as a walk of being a warrior for God. And for me, what that means is mind, body, and soul. I want to make sure my mind, body, and soul is following God. So I want to think about all those areas because maybe one of those areas is slipping, and that's why I'm letting that foothold jump in. So you see these different areas, and it's all about mind, body, and soul. Are you physically exhausted versus in shape? So if you're feeling physically exhausted, you might put a zero, a one, or a two, um, don't be super humble. I want you just to be honest. Yeah, I'm feeling okay. I'm going to put a three. Or I'm in shape. I'm going to put a four. But you're, you're marking how far to the left or right on each one of these are. And you go all the way down and then calculate out your score. Once you have your score, here's what the, it means. And you'll have a little bit more time. But here's what it means. 35 to 40, you're doing pretty well. That's impressive. In fact, talk to me. I need to get you in some sort of service role around here. We need to use this. That's awesome. That's where we're supposed to be. 25 to 30, you need to be careful because you're more vulnerable than you think. And this one's interesting because I think a lot of people might be here. You think you're doing pretty good. I feel all right. But when you're in this state, when you're just a little bit off, what happens is 
You'll go two, three weeks without struggling with that unique temptation. And then the right ad at the right moment will hit. And you'll slip into this temptation and then jump back out going, I don't don't even know why I was there. And so you're back to good. And so you're, you're slipping in and out of this moment. And we need to not do that. That is, that is hurting us long term and we don't even realize it because we've let some areas slip in our life. And we need to address it and not just leave saying, yeah, I need to address it, but actually put it down and address it. 15 to 20, you're in a serious place, serious danger. And you probably know you're in serious danger because as you're feeling it out, you're like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you're just continuing to let that sit there rather than do something about it. That is such a dangerous place to be. Because at any moment, everything can turn and your whole life can flip. You have to make sure you're not just letting it sit there. And if you're below 15, I want you to take it a step further. I want you to actually write counselor on your welcome card and drop it into the offering. Preferably with your name and number on there so it's not just a random counselor. Uh, What we want to do with that is be the church. And if we're going to be the church, meaning you and I caring for each other, then we're going to address this. And so if you write counselor on that, we're going to call you this week and help you through this. Talk, pray, suggest a counselor. But we want to be the church for each other. Don't leave and just say, yeah, I need a counselor, but I don't really want to get a phone call from the pastor either. So let's do something about it. Don't leave this place and say, I'm just going to leave it there. What happens is Ephesians 4.27 says this, do not give the devil a foothold. What you're doing when you allow these certain areas to sit is you're saying, you know what? The devil has a foothold in this area here, but that area is not that big a deal. I'm doing okay in all these other areas. I'm okay that the devil has a foothold in my life in this one particular area. Why would we ever say that? We don't give the devil a foothold ever because that foothold can grow. So we address it and we say, no, there's not going to be any footholds. And so this assessment is all about getting to this point of change. We're going to make an actual change. We're not going to just continue to walk and allow the devil to have certain footholds and be in a pathway of destruction. We're going to live in a pathway of freedom with Christ as the center of our life, with God in control of our mind. Step three, we'll call it this pillar over here in the middle of the room. We're going to walk to this pillar mentally. And at step three, this is where we give God control. This is the prayer pillar. Matthew 26, 41. Keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. I like to describe this as the SOS prayers. All through the Bible, if you follow these men and women, you see these SOS prayers. And what that was is they're in the midst of the battle or the midst of the temptation. They're right in the middle of something. And you see them lift up this SOS prayer to God. God, I need your help with, with this. And then they walk forward and God does something amazing. These are those SOS prayers. We need to have an SOS prayer ready to go at any moment. God, I'm struggling with this right now. This is the moment. It's happening. Help me through this. And you lift that up. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus understands our weaknesses, for he's faced all the same temptations. When I read this whole scripture, I'm always taken back by same temptations. I think, Jesus, with your sandals and the dirt and the camels walking by, that's the same temptations as what we're living in. 
Because what we're living in today is a computer's in my pocket. And on that computer is pornography. We live with pornography in our pocket. You were walking around with camels in your pockets. I'm just kidding. I'm going a little over with that. But I just, I, I think, God, are you serious? Is it really the same temptations? But as I read scripture and I read over and over and I see that God is meaning exactly what he says verse by verse and every, everything that he talks about is true, I have to look at this verse and say, you know what? You said same temptations, so you mean same temptations. You mean that, that you understand what we're going through. You understand what we're in right now. And you're there to receive us and give us grace and help us. So as we lift these SOS prayers to you, you're not like, what? You're not shocked by it. You know what we're dealing with. You understand it, and you're there to help me through it. At station three, I want you to write out your SOS prayer. Say, God, this is my unique temptation. This is the prayer I need to pray in that moment. This is the prayer I'm going to pray. It's why this next series called Unfollow is so important. What, what God has called us to, his first words are follow me. His first words are change this and this and this and this and you'll be good enough. His first verse is follow me. Throw your SOS prayer up to me. We'll take care of the rest as we go. So take a moment to do that. And the change that we're after is this movement from the pathway of destruction to a pathway of freedom. And we can get there. At this fourth pillar, I want you to imagine going over to this right here in this middle of this room. Imagine you're going over there and you're doing step four. Gain control with the Bible. You knew prayer would be there. You knew Bible would be there. They're always going to be there. Yes, you're right. You're correct. But think of it like this. Have you ever been at the top of a cliff and you're sort of looking over the top of this, even this little tiny three-foot cliff here? When you look over, there's this really natural sort of drawing over, and you feel like it's it's like you could fall if you don't sort of back off of it. Do you ever feel that? That is actually real. It's called the law of human psychology. Whatever you're staring at, so be careful if you're on a cliff, whatever you're staring at, you sort of are drawn to it. It would be like me saying, you know what sounds really good? An In-N-Out hamburger. Oh, with that animal style and double-double cheese sort of melting on the top. That sounds really good. A lot of you in the room are going to go, you know what, that does sound really good. In fact, we're going to be going to In-N-Out right after this. It, it's, you're actually going to be mad. You're, it's a horrible thing for me as a pastor to do is you're doing well on your diet, and I've suggested an In-N-Out hamburger. It draws you in if you start thinking about something. It could be the same if I did, if, you know, is it warm in here? I'm feeling a little, a little hot. Of course, my hands are freezing, but I'm sweating inside. I have a really weird thing happening here. And so you start thinking, you know what? It is hot in here. In fact, I'm going to write on my prayer spot, please turn the air down, which please stop doing that. We really don't need that prayer, all right? That's not even a prayer. But you start to feel these suggestions. So what is your enemy doing? He knows your unique temptation more than you do. So he starts throwing 1,200 ads and just starts throwing little pieces, and we think nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, that one looks interesting. Something grabs us. And so we need to figure out how we counter this, how we actually use this against our enemy. There's three stages when it comes to this type of stuff, this temptation. The first one is just grabbing your attention. So you have your attention. Now the arousal begins because attention's going on all day, but something sort of arouses you. 
And then the arousal turns into an action. It's the three stages every single time. So how do we go against that? We go against it with the station number four. How am I going to directly counter what the enemy is trying to do? First, the attention comes. So in our case, when the attention comes, we immediately turn to the Bible. In the Bible, there is a response to every temptation. You can use a concordance in the back and sort of search the word that you're struggling through. You can find all these verses dealing with that exact subject. You could go on the phone that's in your pocket and Google and say, what verses come against this temptation? And I'm guessing like 10 or so verses will pop up immediately. But you need to take a moment and get those verses ahead of time. And then you write these verses down. And every time you feel this unique temptation hitting you, you start speaking aloud verses that come against it. What do you think the enemy's going to do if every time he throws something in front of you, it causes you to go into your word and begin speaking aloud praise and worship to your God? Do you think he will back off of it Because he's trying to mess you up. He's trying to trip you up. But what he's doing is causing you to worship more. He's going, you know, he's smart. He's going to say, I don't think I want to do that. Because it's causing this action. It's causing him to grow closer to God. So we're going to try some other stuff. So you have to continue to battle this. Every time your unique temptation is changing, as you're growing, as you build these verses against that attack, it's causing you to worship more and more. You're using this very thing against them. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, We capture every thought and we make it obey Christ. Those thoughts, don't deny the thoughts. Don't pretend like they're not there. Capture them and say, I'm going to use what you meant for evil and I'm going to turn it to good. I'm going to use the very thing you're using against me to cause me to worship more. Imagine that change in your life. We get this straight from Jesus. We see Jesus fasting for 40 days. He's 40 days out in the desert. What is the first thing that the enemy brings in front of him? Hey, Jesus, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And you have to think about that for a moment because what you don't see is Jesus go, I'm not even hungry. Don't just back off because I don't even feel hungry right now. I feel so good. That's not what he says. Don't deny the temptation. Of course he's hungry. It's been 40 days. He's very hungry. And here's what's weird. Turning stones into bread, I don't even see the sin. What is the sin there? Because he's turned food into nothing. I don't know. He made food appear. So what it really is the sin is that the enemy suggested it in the first place. So because the enemy suggested it, that's why Jesus says no. And he uses verse against the enemy. And immediately says, man does not live on bread alone. So the enemy, realizing that Jesus is immediately going to verses, backs off and comes at him at another angle. Angle two, and then angle three. And every time Jesus uses verses against things that aren't even that big a deal. But he's not going to do what the enemy tells him to do. And he's going to use the enemy's actions as a way to worship his God more. Do you see the power in this? Station four is powerful. Take a moment and get that ammo. It will change your life. The point, look for real change. This series is about change. Don't just leave and forget. Add these changes to your life, the application, the pathway to complete freedom. 
the fifth station, we'll call it the stage. You went one, two, three, four, and now walk here mentally and gain control with friends. The example I love with, with friends is the gym. <laughs> the gym is notorious because we have a desire for the change. We have the good intentions for the change. So we go to the gym and we buy the $300 gym membership for change. But then do we go? Yeah, for a little bit. And then the year sort of, we sort of start, you know, we buy the DVDs. We have all this equipment in our house. Well, this is great. It looks great. It's great hangers. Right? If we start to try and tackle problems alone, these unique temptations are difficult. Don't pretend they're, di- they're not difficult. Bring in a mentor to help you through it. Bring in a pastor that will help you through it. Have a C group, which is what we call our small groups, our care groups. Bring these into your life and have those friends helping you through your unique temptations. Two are better than one because together, if one falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, there's no one to help him up. If you're going to the gym with a friend, and when you're not really feeling up to it, your friend calls you and you're like, oh, okay. And so it sort of causes you to do something. And vice versa, you're a friend to them and what they are struggling with in that moment. Yeah, okay, let's go together. The same is true when it comes to dealing with these temptations. Here's what I'm struggling with. Help me to do better in this area. And they say what they're struggling with. And now you're working together. If you are in a C group and you're not feeling open enough to like, share what you're really struggling with, then find a new C group. We have tons of C groups. There's going to be one in which you start building those relationships to where you trust each other and you're helping each other. And if you're not in a C group, start adding that to your life. You need people. It's such a valuable resource when it comes to temptations in our life. James 5.16 says, admit your faults to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. When someone comes into my office and they're struggling with some sort of sin and they tell me about it, my first response is not, ew, that's disgusting. Why are you telling me this? No, that would be awful. That would be the worst pastor ever. My first response is actually, wow. I don't say wow. I say, this is, in my head I'm thinking, this is fantastic because they're, take, they're taking that giant step forward when they start to realize, I can't do this on my own, and I really want to deal with it, so I'm going to share it with someone. That step, I would say 90% never get to that step. They're always trying to do it on their own because they're, uh, whatever, I'm not going to go into all that, but when someone gets to the point in which they say, I'm ready to have help, When they're in my office, I'm excited because I'm thinking, okay, they've now taken the huge step one. There's still two, three, four, five. There's more steps to to gain victory. But step one, that's the hard one. And they just made it. That's what I'm thinking. Think about the friend that you're talking to. They're not saying, ooh. They're saying, all right, we're going to do this because we're friends and we care for each other. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation that comes your way is beyond what others have had to face. We may have unique temptations, but we all are struggling with something. Let's help each other as the body of Christ. Because what we're after is change. And it really is possible. We can make this change. As the the worship team comes back out, I want to give you time now to, to put your answers in. 
take a moment and walk through each station. Don't leave without having that filled out. Even if you are saying, I I can't, I'm not sure what to write here. At least write, I'm going to write this today. I'm going to do it at one o'clock right after my in and out hamburger. I'm going to go home and I'm going to do this. All right. Write something there to say, this is going to be something I deal with because we want to leave with actual change. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for your word. Your word is incredible. Our relationship with you is incredible. Lord, as we read your word, we know that we will spend eternity with you. And we know that as we have the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of the cross, our eternity is taken care of. But you also write over and over how you want to be in our today. That you care about where we are right now. And that you want us to experience your greatest life. And that is amazing, God. Thank you for being in our day today. And I pray now as we make these changes that we focus on you and find victory every single day. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.